Hey everyone, hey and welcome back to yet another episode of Alpha Metallica. This is Tom Quee here with the 135th edition of the show. Yes, we are very, very nearly at the end. We're on the bloody S's, for God's sake. We're on Struggle Within today, which is a song doing the research, doing the background. I was quite surprised. People aren't necessarily negative on this track, but people are quite apathetic, a lot of people feel it doesn't belong on this album, or maybe it should have been a B-side, or it's forgettable, or whatever, but to me, this is a great song, this is the missing link, in many ways, between Justice and the Black Album, in my opinion at least, and you know, we're going to get to that today with a guest, if you're new to the show, it is myself and a guest from around the world, a fellow Metallica obsessive, going song by song in alphabetical order, so I urge you to subscribe to the channel, to go back and check out the hundreds of hours and all all the guests and all the songs and the top tens that we've done and stuff like that and we've got tons to come as well if you want to come on the show metallicapod at gmail.com is the best way to get in touch with me at metallicapod as well on twitter if you want to follow the show news on the show updates at the end of every episode i always read out your mini reviews of the songs we're discussing today and we've got some great ones for struggle within so if you want to chime in on that conversation at metallicapod if you enjoy the show, you want to get back to the show, two main things you can do. iTunes is there. Uh, you can leave us a review. That is greatly appreciated. We are forever going to be stapled in the shadow of Metal Your Podcast, unfortunately. We don't have pit contests or S&M tickets to bribe people with. But, uh, you know, if you want to affirm us there in the second spot, the penultimate spot, then uh, I greatly appreciate that. If you want to go even further than that, Patreon is there. Patreon.com forward slash AlphaBetallica episodes like this for example i'm recording this episode i think like three weeks before it's going to drop on the main channel so if you want to get that kind of exclusive early access the so what files the various discussions we do about the band and you know lots of cool stuff planned in the near future with a lot of returning guests so yeah if you want to give back if you enjoy you can download the episodes there straight to your phone today i'm joined by a fellow podcaster mark how's it going sir How's it going, Tom? I'm glad to be here. I'm very well, thanks. Yeah, yeah, no, great to have you. I, from what I gather, quite quite the diehard fan. You've seen them 15 times. You've been in the fan club for decades. Yeah, I, was, I think I joined the fan club in 95, I think, and it started in 93. So, yeah, yeah I've been uh, a diehard fan since about then, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and how did it start? Like, when was the first time you heard this band? Well, I was aware of uh, one. I saw the video one in in eighty eight, eighty nine on right. MTV, but it didn't really. The band didn't really grab me then. It just sort of passed me by. It wasn't until about ninety two, ninety three, one of my friends lent me the Black album, and that was it from then on. I was hooked. I didn't really have a particular taste of music then either, so mm. this just sucked me in. Plus, all my friends were getting into all that kind of stuff as well, and then so. I went from I went backwards, down from the black album backwards to kill them all, so it was quite a journey. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. And like for so many people, kinda of like myself as well, Metallica is the firmament that you build your taste on. Like, you know, and they just provide that influence. Like, I don't know about yourself, but my generation, all my friends, we grew up watching The Simpsons. And that has just kind of led my sense of humor. And in many ways, growing up on Metallica has developed me into a certain direction as well. So, you know, going from being into the band at that early stage, following them through, you know, you load and reload, etc. Yeah. Have you have you always been deeply into this band? Has, has there been any time in their history where, you, where you've wavered, where you've differed on the direction? Only, well, like many it's I say anger kind of time sure uh, but but I didn't I didn't dip out completely I was I was a bit disappointed but I, I don't know about you but I, after seeing some kind of monster that the whole album kind of made a bit more sense and I had a bit more respect yeah. for it yeah yeah a few yeah. people have said that yeah I can yeah they totally are <laughs> but, companion pieces to each other I know, I think Load and Reload are your worst albums, aren't they? They they are, they are. I mean, you know, I made, <laughs> made no bones about it. Thankfully, we're not discussing them today. We are discussing the... Uh, yeah. Like, just before we get onto the song itself, you run your own industry podcast, is that right? Behind the Noise? Yeah, Behind the Noise, where I talk to various people 
um, in and around the music industry and then in the entertainment industry because um, I'm a musician myself. I've uh, been in a band for almost 10 years. We're on a, we're on a hiatus now, which is kind of good for me doing the podcast. Yeah. Basically, I went to my contact list and just started talking to people who I, who I knew. But when, you, when you're in bands, when you're in the industry, you don't get enough time to talk to them. Mm-hmm. So I, I set up a studio here up in Cumbria and uh, people come to me and we sit one-on-one and I talk to people who I've worked with for a long time and uh, some, have some great conversations. Now, this song, Struggle Within, is the closing track off the Black Album, you know, a, a classic album in anyone's estimation and an important facet of albums is the track listing, is the kind of departing message the band want to leave you with. Ultimately, do you feel this is a, a potent closing track? I mean, a lot of people would have preferred My Friend of Misery, from what I gather, rather than this. And I can understand that thematically. No, I think it fits perfectly. And it was actually the last song that they... The only reason... Yeah. I found this today. The only reason it's last is because it's the last song that they, they wrote and That's recorded. Right. So I think it fits perfectly. I think it's a... It picked up... It finishes the album on a high note, I think, rather than... My Friend of Misery is a bit slower, a bit more... Uh, Ploddy, but yeah. you know what I mean? Melodic, but not quite as. It's good to finish on a high note, I think. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, in terms of My Friend of Misery stuff, like, I like the idea of the album ending as the volume drops on the bass note, but it, 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 yeah. this does make more sense to me, yeah. And it was surprising that it was recorded last because. I don't know about you, I get like some heavy justice vibes. Like to me, this feels like an off cut from that album that they, you know, manipulated. It's, it's okay, it's got one foot in the older camp with the gnarled riffs and the time signatures, but it's also got a very black album y feel. It's got a big anthemic chorus, it's got a slick pace. It's quite a dichotomy. Yeah, I think it would fit on, it would have fit on justice as well. You could imagine it with that sound, with the, you know, the, the yeah. sort of more high end less bass kind of sound but it, it it i think it's it's definitely the fastest and most aggressive song on the black album which is mm-hmm. probably why i like it it's, yes uh i think they've maybe felt that they needed something that like that when they got to sort of finishing the album so we need you know how that how um hardwired was written the last minute because they needed an opener yeah maybe kind of that thing when they were finishing the black album mm-hmm. yeah it, it does feel a kind of sibling to holier than now as well that direction less of the you know panoramic cinematic ideas that maybe Unforgiven or Sandman had or you know nothing else matters etc this is more of a down and out you know rocker for want of a better word a frasher and we start with the drums which you know we get that West Side Story idea don't tread on me always personally to my ears this intro sounds like the intro to the West Wing I don't know if you ever watched the West Wing but that starts (laughs) with these grand rolling drums and I think at the time I was really like I love the West Wing I was really getting into it as a kid and and watch this but um but yeah we open with these drums and they kind of complement this idea of an ending track don't they they give it a grandness you know a procession as we close yeah it's very marching it's very it's got a militant feel to it it's almost if it's uh the song is leading us out sort of mm-hmm. thing at the end yeah it's it, it, it's 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 got that very sort of uplifting intro i was looking at the uh when they played it live for the 20th anniversary yeah. at, uh in I think it was in Prague, was it? And it, it, that whole it worked, that intro worked live so well. I thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, I just get some justicisms here with that intro because we go into this cool harmonised section. It's very spooky and otherworldly. Feels very similar to the blackened intro for me. Yeah, it does actually. Yeah, now that you mention it, it does. Yeah, yeah. It's got a very um, yeah. I'd say aggression is. It's probably it's the most aggressive song on the on the album, and it kind of. Mm-hmm. I remember at the time it kind of took me by surprise which I guess, in hindsight, you have a different opinion of it. But I remember when I first heard it in the early 90s, being very surprised by that track versus 
all the previous tracks that I listened to. Yeah, it's kind of like the same way the band in concert will often strap So What right near the end, just when the energy's <laughs> maybe flagging, you know, just to kick you in the balls. And yeah. that intro section, that blackened section, so it's kind of these undulating waves of backwards guitar, and it and it has its own kind of own biosphere it feels like it's growing but you know this is a brief song and we don't really hang on much for too long you know we're a far cry from our death magnetic hardwired say anger sprawls where the band don't understand that you you don't have to keep using the same riff eight times we get a chug and within like two or three seconds james is singing over it and james really like rushes in a good way quite urgently into the track full-blooded doesn't he like he's he's just there barking you don't get time to gather your belongings and then suddenly there's a stop and then suddenly the song's charging forward again it's relentless yeah, I don't know if that was because they were in a hurry to finish it. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe they literally were. Yeah, just... <laughs> but he, he certainly barks. The, the lyrics are barks at you, I thought. Yeah. Almost like uh, someone shouting at you, sort of telling you off almost. <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. There's, there's such a command, such an authority here. Um, you know, But it grabs your attention, though. It grabs your attention. That's that's part After that intro, it, it, it's, it's, it catches you off guard almost. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it, does feel, it really feels like he's reaching out for something to feel as the opening line is speaking yeah. about. And, you know, it just, just has, has this great sense of pace to it. And Lars, I love on this track. I think, you know, this is our first taste of Lars as we kick into it. But he really keeps up. He's really pushing things forward from the back. Yeah, it's a, it's one of the more, the more upbeat ones, as we said. Uh, he really nails it, I thought. I think the there's another one of those epic sort of combos of rhythm guitar where Hetfield and Ulrich have, have really locked in. But considering it was written quite late and quite, it seems quite hurried, I think they, they, they struck gold on that one. Yeah, they did. And James, you know, he just imbues such character into the verses. Um, you know, the, the stutter that he does. And then on the second verse, the pressure upon you is unreal. And he kind of like yeah. strangles his voice and you hear the guitar sort of waver in time with him. And it's just those little touches, these nuances that they're so aware of that they just, you know, project throughout the song that... Make make the quality so much higher rather than just a sort of generic fresh riffer, you know. I think that's become that's one of their trademarks. I think mm-hmm. is his his pronunciations, uh, the way sometimes the oh, guitars yeah. go in and out of sync with each other, the guitar and the drums. Uh, his his definitely some of the way he pronounces his words. I think is very unique to. Sometimes it goes with the drum beat, or sometimes it'll go with the guitar riff. It's very unique. Mm-hmm. And what do you think of throughout the song? That's kind of the secondary voice barking, the call and response, hypocrite. What the hell, Hetfield answering these. Yeah, I like that. That's, mm-hmm. It's a bit, it's a bit uh, different from. That's another thing that sort of sets it apart from some of the other tracks is uh, some of the, the gang vocals. I think it works because it, it yeah. picks it up in certain sections. It makes, it separates it from the other sections as well. Mm-hmm. And we get into the chorus, which again is kind of a you know call and response thing. And you mentioned them playing it live before, and I did watch one of the performances. Maybe it was a Czech performance. And live, Rob will do struggle with it. And I personally kind of cringe at that. I I, I much prefer Hetfield backing himself. Yeah, I think it was just because it's so fast. I don't think yeah. Hetfield can do it. No, no, God, no. Without, yeah, without passing out. <laughs> uh, Kirk did a few. Kirk did a few of them as well. <laughs> I think so. I think. I think. Yeah. I think he popped in, and you know, it just James as well just has that like you're ruined, like just that embellished, yeah. that hang on the notes. You know, that that just I love his work here, and I just love how busy yeah. and forceful um, and uh, forceful that the track is. And you know, I, I need to keep saying that it just it just doesn't really stop or stop for a second and then it'll just go somewhere else and you know we get into the the solo section um as the song sort of slows down again and there is this kind of um this slide riff that's throughout the song as well that they keep coming up 
back to and keep building up in key and stuff but mm. um yeah the solo breaks in so the drums fire on and you know it's kind of um again it's maybe not the most memorable kirk solo in terms of an actual story but there's it's a great set of licks like it's really exciting to listen to yeah, he, he sounds like he's done his homework on that one. I don't know if you have you seen the uh, footage on a year and a half. Yeah, iPod it's kind of like uh, patched together, isn't it? But it's cool that it's there. It is, but it seems like it took him a long time to get to that point. But there's a there's a foot part in the footage where Bob Rock sort of like kicking at him and picking at him, saying, yeah, yeah. "You know," because I think he must have just got voted guitar player of the year or something. He's going, yeah, "Come yeah. on, let's hear this guitar player of the year solo." And I think he, he tried a few different things and it wasn't working. And, and Bob Rock was basically saying, "Well, you haven't done your homework." So, yeah. and it really pissed him off. And that take that they took on the on the footage was the one that they used on the album, apparently. And it really, you know, it got him riled up and he just went, he was determined to do it and he just nailed it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lick. I think it's about two minutes, 28 in. It's probably the only real memorable ender. Like him real dancing up there, really spidery. And, you know, it's crazy, isn't it? Bob would whip the cane, whereas Greg Fiddleman is fit to sit there and watch Lars just guide him through it. Like, it's yeah. night and day in comparison. And you, you just. Fiddle by name, fiddle by nature. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, really, like, he just, you know, he doesn't really seem to give a fuck about the stories, whereas Rock really did care. And, you know, whatever. They weren't trying to define anything on those records. But yeah, I do really like his solo. You know, there's lots of Kirk isms, but not even in a bad way. There's lots of ascending no. and descending the fretboard. There's lots of wide pulls. It's a black album song. So, of course, we pull out to these big chords as the wah comes out and Kirk's little riff yeah. with himself and stuff like that. But I just love. I love his playing. I love his tone on this record as a whole. And if I'm going to get a generic Kirk solo, I want a generic Black Album Kirk solo. Well, I mean, it may not, like you say, it might not, may not be one of his most memorable ones, but it works so well yeah, within the context of that song. It, 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 I remember seeing on the video him the way because that was a whole run through. You know, no editing on that take on the mm-hmm. video that was in the studio, and it, it just the power and uh, I mean, it, you can tell that he spent a lot of time getting it to that point. So it, it feels kind of gratifying to hear him nail it like that yeah 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 there's i mean yeah some crazy playing i mean generic's a little harsh perhaps i'm just in you know when you consider say the sandman solo or you know wherever i'm rome or anything like that more unforgiving of course the more singable ones but um yeah and then it gives way to i'm gonna say it now i actually think the most underrated metallica riff of all time is in this song the the go riff after the solo that is so oh, yeah. groovy, so in the pocket. Feels really dime bag esque. It's just sludgy, <laughs> and it's again, it's only there twice, and then it's into something else. Yeah. But it, it leaves a mark. They're 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 very good at that Metallica. The, the little riffs from there that appear from nowhere. And then they're gone and they leave you wanting more and that's definitely one of those i love it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah at first it feels quite monotonous duh, 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 duh. like it's kind of like okay where's this going and then it just has that little that little coil in the tail in the tail you know it feels like something off the fucking album cover like it's just <laughs> it's just ripe like an adder and and i love it and i think in an alternative world like the struggle within or maybe another song is built around that riff i think that's a really like i'm not gonna say they wasted the riff there but i think it's the most exciting riff in the song and maybe should have been put up front and they could have done something else with it but i I also kind of like that it's just there for a second Mm, and you you could argue it's maybe underutilized a little bit i suppose but 
in a way it kind of works because you're like you want to hear you just made listen to the song again <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. C- completely i mean it's so satisfying and so heavy and you know as i say another song could have been you know immortalized with that riff maybe but this yeah. is this is hetfield the guy just spins gold from nothing and you know of yeah, course it's there master i remember actually now that you mentioned that bit i remember i hadn't obviously listened to it for for obviously we all go through phases of listening to albums and mm-hmm. not listening to albums i remember going back to the black album after a good few years of not listening to you know it's in, in its entirety yeah and that that bit actually stood out for me i've never really picked up on it before until yeah. I to it a few years later and i was like how did i miss that <laughs> yeah yeah there's all those little bits it's like when we did uh shorty straw recently with dave like the the pre-chorus riff obviously i've listened to the song a yeah. million times but that just started yeah. sticking out to me just the real thing that i was just obsessed with and uh yeah i love the riff and nothing new really happens in the song as we get to this point the last no. minute we sort of come back for another chorus and then we end and then we kind of close on the chug but all in all i mean this is the second shortest song on the black album it's the only one of the three minutes holier than now that we mentioned before and as i said spiritually the songs do feel connected to me in a compositional type way but you know it's in and out it's run and gun and to me it's majorly effective oh they've, they've executed it perfectly and uh, like going back to they recorded it in a hurry because it was towards the end of the, yeah. the process and i think that's one of those situations where metallica do well under pressure mm-hmm. i think they were supposed to apparently there were those two songs that they did for snm were under time constraints as well they banged snowy clover and minus yeah. out in a couple of weeks and i think this was another case of that Spe- specifically with him doing the lyrics i think he had to rush the lyrics i read somewhere that he, he wrote the title struggle as a joke because that was that uh, summarized how he was feeling about writing the lyrics right <laughs> well um struggle within interestingly uh i didn't find this myself i saw this online but um is a lyric in frayed ends of sanity as well uh struggle yes. within triggered again now the candle burns yeah. at both ends so you know maybe he was getting a little little meta within that and he also talks about in this um it's some sort of idea of like a you know a feeling and being defined by that and, and not reaching out for something to feel and People talking about the unnamed feeling, and I mean, it's, mm. it's a little bit of a stretch. Yeah, but um, what what about the lyrics then? To you, how do you read into them? Are these just this confessional Hetfieldian soliloquy? Because w- when you understand the context that they're literally rushing to end this song, not that they're bad lyrics at all. I think you know they're, they're up to the caliber of the rest of the album, but they're not like a memorable piece of writing. That, it's not like fucking yesterday or something, you know? No, well, maybe that goes back to the time constraints. But yeah. to me, it just seems like an angry, angry young man. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I'm- because I read that he he was at the time going through a lot of stuff and he was he was quite angry and stuff stuff about you know not uh, he hadn't seen some stuff with his dad as well that's still issues that have yeah. been involved yeah because um, I know there was one point in the year and a half where his dad was actually in the studio while they were recording yeah. Sandman and stuff so maybe he's at some point he did resolve things but I I read in his retrospect that he was it was he was just angry <laughs> yeah that comes out I think he, the lyrics were. He was writing about himself, but he switched it. So it was talking about a third person, which obviously he's very good at doing that. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, this is a guy going through both external and internal troubles, uh, you know, divided emotionally. And also in his domiciles, that should be safe. Home is not a home, becomes a hell, turning into a prison cell. Yeah. And, you know, Hetfield, like in the same way, um, you know, Noel Gallagher would know the right words to give Liam to sing, like that sound good with his voice. Like Hetfield's the same, like his his diction choice and his imagery just complement the frenetic pace of this track. And it's 
you know, it's a terrific track. Um, you know, again, I was a little perplexed when people don't rate it. Okay, yeah, it's not the greatest song on the album, but I think, you know, it's certainly up to that level. It's been played 17 times live. I mentioned before it was debuted uh, in the Czech Republic in Prague. That was May 7th, 2012. And then it was last played June 24th, the same year, in the Orion Music Festival. So this was part of their, you know, look back on the Black Album, playing it back to front. And it's a, it's a nice coincidence, isn't it? Because they were playing it back to front, the final song gets played first. And this is a song they never played so it gave them a great excuse to debut struggle within yeah that worked really well actually i remember seeing that online but I, as, it, as it goes on the album i don't think it's filler in any way no. i don't think any any of the songs on the black album can be labeled filler. No, it no. may be some people would argue rightly or wrongly that it's the weakest song on the album and if they do that's fair enough um but i, I just you can't argue with any of the songs in, in this one in particular no. on the album they were all they're all at that time they were just it was just the right songs with the right producer you know at the right time I, I, I could ne- yeah I could never call this the weakest song on the record. I'll, I, I'll be hard, you know, to think about what is the actual weakest song. I don't know. Like I, I, I would make just for me personally, God that failed is. But even that yeah. is great. Like you know, yeah, even, yeah. as soon it's as I said it's a difficult one. As soon as I said that, I was remembering so many moments from the song. I was like, what am I saying? Like okay, they're, you know, they're, they're, they're all they're all fucking spotless. And as we do, guys. Uh, we reach out to you at Metallic Pod, see what you thought of the song. Uh, MTI saying, as much as the Black Album could have such a thing, this is an underrated deep cut from it. It wouldn't sound that out of place on their 80s albums, if I'm honest. Phil saying, I think it was in a tough spot being placed as the last track on the album with so many huge hits on it, but it's definitely not to be overlooked. Glad to see people giving Kirk solo the love it deserves. Sava Bloody Podcast saying, the dynamics in this one are very cool, the way it always pulls back into the thrash. Makes it a great energy track for a Metallic closer. I love where it sits on the underrated B-side. Tritton saying, I really like the guitar work and the odd time signatures on Struggle. It's a nice closing track that ties the sound of the Black Album and Justice for All together, in my opinion. Yeah, I'd certainly agree. The song is a bit overlooked, which is a shame because Kirk's guitar solo is incredible. Uh, Michael Hampton, who we just had on for the small hour, shout out Michael, saying, Weakest song, tough way to end. Lifting the intro from West Side Story never sat well with me. It sounds cobbled together to fill out the second side of an album, not aged well. I, I have to disagree there, Mark. I don't know, I don't know what you think yeah. about no, I, I disagree. Yeah. I, none of none of it. I know they they said they were pushed for time stuff, so, but it doesn't sound it doesn't sound cobbled together in any way. No, I mean, no. some people would dream of writing a set. Yeah, like that. yeah, because it, it does have many parts kind of colliding, but it's expertly fashioned and paced, and yeah, it doesn't feel just kind of Frankenstein together. Uh, Rick saying, "Eh." Weak song on a weak side too. A sign they should never use the word within in a song title ever again. Uh, a deal saying lyrics are not very good. The music's pretty dope though. But I wish my uh, my friend of misery ended the album. If anything, uh, the struggle within would have been a cool album opener. I think it would have been a cool album opener. But obviously, End Salmon's the ultimate album opener and is the only oh, song that really makes sense. So I mean, they wanted what was it? Uh, Bob Brock wanted holier than that was the opener, really, for the, yeah, first the first single. Mad. Yeah. I was just had a vision for this album. I mean, he knew. In you wire, yeah, to do. yeah, yeah. And uh, Gareth saying, "Love the go riff, love the solo intro, so hot, great closer." And finally, Ralph saying, "To me, it's an excellent way to close the album that launched the band into superstardom. Has more of a fresh feel than most of the tracks off the record, especially the album." And yes, there's some top-notch Kirk soloing on this one. I also wonder if Hetfield was unconsciously referencing himself in the lyrics. I mean, I think consciously, Ralph, but also conscious that uh, the lights were going off in the studio as the pen was put to paper, so they had to get something out. But any um, any closing thoughts on Struggle Within, Mark? Um, not really. Just, just I, I think it is, like I said, it is the perfect way to end the album, going on what the songs that have gone before. It, it's a bit of a left turn. It's a bit of a surprise in a way like it was for me it's aggressive so if anyone 
who were like you know a lot they got they did get a bit of backlash for the for the black album being being a bit more mainstream commercial. Yeah. So I would have thought that maybe part of the thinking was that they needed something a bit heavier and thrashier to put on the album, and it, it fits. So yeah, yeah. And finally, we'll close as we always do with a few quick fire Metallica questions. The first one being, what is your favourite song? Oh. I've struggled with this over the years, but I've finally come to the conclusion that it is Master of Puppets. Yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's got everything. It, it does, yeah. It's fucking, yeah. Balls to the wall. If, I, if, if, someone, if someone wanted me to say, sure, play me a Metallica song that d- defines Metallica, I would play yeah. the Master of Puppets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it has them at their softest, the most experimental, and them at their crushingly heaviest yeah. as well. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's a beautiful, beautiful song. Um, Favourite album by them? Probably Master of Puppets as well, Yeah, to be fair. I love it from beginning to end. Although it, Black Album was was my favorite album for a long time but as i've got older and i've absorbed all the albums in their entirety and have a, have a bit of hindsight master puppets stands mm-hmm. out for me mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh what about favorite member of the band Ooh, that's got to be james big has in, to be big for, me for singing and for playing guitar at the same time which at one point i didn't think i could do but yeah. i i persevered and i mastered it <laughs> yeah i i remember it was an interview with uh matt heafy from trivium who obviously had huge metallica comparisons early on and he plays crazy shit and sings now like how do you do it and he's like i just came home from school and i tried to learn sanitarium every day and i kept doing it until i could play the whole thing and sing it and it's just like yeah it is a crash course in that i can't think of many other people who play as difficult as hetfield and sing over it i can't really think of anyone to be honest oh uh, M- Mustaine maybe yeah yeah Mustaine Mustaine I guess but but... you could argue actually that some of their rips are more complicated than yeah <laughs> but I mean like I mean, Mustaine does not have the vocal capacity unfortunately no no no, no, like, no you know no. you can't hit those notes. no uh, yeah, yeah I mean to be fair yeah Mustaine's a good example and um I guess Tom Araya, but he's just doing like muddy yeah. bass that you can't really, you know, I guess, <laughs> you know, so many open notes, I guess that's what that is. Yeah, it's, it's, it's different because it's, it's a, there's a huge difference between playing chords and singing and playing riffs. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, Well, I found out that the hard way. And it's weird how your brain works because sometimes a really com- a, a, you, you see a complicated song and you go, I'm not going to be able to sing and play this at the same time. And then you try it and you can. And other times it'll be quite a simple song. And for some reason you just can't, you just can't right. do it. You yeah, don't know yeah. why. <laughs> and uh, seeing the band live, mentioned this before, 15 times, is that right? Yeah, round about that, yeah. The first time was uh, at on the Load tour. Mm-hmm. The first time I saw them, and I saw them a few times on that. Then I saw them a few times on the Load and, uh, the Reload tour a year later. Oh, yeah. Then I saw them at the Big Day Out in 99 at the Milton Keynes Bowl. Damn. Which was... was who, who else was on that day? Uh, Marilyn Manson, Monster Magnet... Uh, Soulfly. Uh, okay, some few monster really magnet. Good. God, I think they. they I was eighteen. Yeah, was my first one where I was like go and drink properly without. Nice, <laughs> nice. Yeah, I think uh, Monster Magnet toured with Metallica at the time. Yeah, they did. Yeah, I think they were they there. They did. Their main. Band. Uh, I saw them on Death Magnetic tour, mm-hmm. and then I saw them a few times on the. Oh, once on the recent uh, last tour at, in Glasgow. Ah, oh, oh, nice. Was that what the indoor run was it? Yeah, yeah. yeah it was a few years ago. Run. And uh, any plans to see them again? I, know, I know they yeah, sort of, they're not in our country anymore, but... No, next time, well, I'm assuming they're going to do another album. <laughs> um, I, would, I, would, I think they're going to do another covers album. I, I, yeah. Covers? Apparently, Lars has been dropping a few hints in the press, but I mean, who knows? Yeah. Oh, that's interesting, after, after doing S&M 2 and then they're going to do a covers album. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then say Anger 2, <laughs> fingers crossed. <laughs> Yeah. So um, I know you do a podcast, but if you were to do a podcast about a band like I do, Alf Metallica, what's a band you'd like to cover? Well, other than Metallica, other I'll than probably, Metallica, I'll probably do one. Oh, yeah, I'll probably do one on Megadeth actually. 
probably yeah, go in-depth yeah, on Yeah, there that. needs to be a They've Megadeth podcast. Yeah. As well. yeah, de- so. because Megadeth have got such a fascinating band history as well. And Yeah, you spend a lot of time just talking about that, never yeah. mind the music. <laughs> all, all the members, all the guitar players, the guitar players especially, because Dave Ellison's pretty much always there on bass, and the drummers do change pretty rapidly as well. But, yeah. Um, yeah, Nick Menzo is my favourite drummer. Yeah, I, I mean, if you ever do it, I will come on for the Marty Friedman episode because that guy is <laughs> okay. absolute genius. That, that is a deal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I uh, yeah worship worship that dude. But yeah, this has been great. So I guess finally, um, your podcast. How do people find it? Listen to it. Yeah, it's called Behind the Noise. If you go to behindthenoise.net, you can, it's all the episodes are listed on the website. It's also on uh, iTunes and Spotify and all all the places you can get podcasts. Yep, and we'll put the links down below. And as always, guys, follow us at MetallicaBarMetallicaBarDigma.com if you want to come on the show, you want to hop on, you want to discuss a song. Um, Patreon is there. iTunes is there. We've got some cool episodes coming up shortly as well. Um, next week, we've got Suicide and Redemption and Sweet Amber. And then we break into the tease with That Was Just Your Life and The Thing That Should Not Be. The Form Within with none other than Clint Wells is returning to the show for that episode. Uh, Through the Never. To Live Is To Die, Today You'll Love, Tomorrow The World, some obscure Ramones cover that I've actually never listened to, and we've already listened to a few days beforehand. Too Late, Too Late, Trapped Under Ice, then Tuesday's Gone, and Turn The Page. And that brings us up to the use. So, uh, yeah, guys, you know, slowly but surely we're getting there. Go back, check out all the old episodes. Get in touch with me. You know, Alphatalica, don't really know what else to promo now. So, yeah, this has been great. Check out Mark's podcast. And, uh, Mark, thanks for your time. This has been great. Yeah, thanks for having me. I really enjoyed it, and we'll we'll do it we'll do it something again sometime in the future. Definitely, definitely, definitely. But uh, yeah, thanks again, guys, and cheers, Mark. Thank you.